about to start so pop those headphones in and let Sophia style radio to keep you company. Fighting the funny side and Doherty on Sophia style radio Finding the funny side on Sophia style radio the radio Welcome to Sophia Style Radio's new show, Finding the Funny Side. I'm Anne Doherty and 18 months ago I left my corporate job to become a stand-up comedian. Well, have a go at becoming a stand-up comedian. And as part of my experience of doing this and this adventure, I have spent lots of time on the comedy circuit and bumped into a whole range of comedians from people on their first night having a go for the very first time to seasoned comedians that have been doing this for 10 20 years some of them you'll have seen briefly on appearing on tv shows radio shows and some you'll never have heard of but they all have their unique interesting and funny view on on life from ordinary life to politics to whatever's happening during the in the world and during the day so on finding the funny side i am going to be talking to a different comedian each week and getting their take on on the world and hopefully through that process making you have a chuckle and a smile and a laugh um, and hopefully brightening your day one of the things that has really helped me in my life about being a comedian is i just look at things in a different perspective you know i'm always looking for the funny side of every situation and that's probably because i want to write about it and perform about it later on um on on saturday night when i'm next on stage but actually that's really helped me um reduce my stress levels and my anxiety it does get me in trouble because i find myself giggling at things um and realizing i'm the only one laughing but also it's definitely helped improve the quality of my life. And I would like to share that with you. So I hope you enjoy talking to, hearing me talk to some of the comedians. And um, our first one tonight is a lady called Samantha Day. She is going to share her story about two years ago, how she left her 30 year career as an accountant. And is now you'll find her in a comedy club. So after this, this short break, we will be talking to Samantha. So join us then, keep listening. Finding the funny side and Doherty on Sophia Style Radio. Finding the funny side on Sophia Style Radio. Original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio. I'm a little bit tired and a little bit sick. The solution to my problems won't come quick. I'm a little frustrated and a little bit stuck. I think I finally run out of luck. I'm a little bit scared and a little bit bored So many things I want but can't afford I'm a little overwhelmed 
overwhelmed and a little burnt out All I seem to do is fill my head with doubt And I'm going insane Just living with me inside my brain And I can't stay here Without any motivation I can't stay here Going over the same old conversation Or watching the same old TV station Welcome back to um, the show. My guest that's joining us today is Sam Day. Is it Sam Day or Samantha Day? It's Samantha Day, but you can call me Sam because you're my friend. Okay, so we've got Samantha Day here tonight. She's a fellow comedian and we are going to get to know her a little bit and then um, talk about life for a while. Hello there, Anne. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So do you want to tell our, your, our listeners a little bit about you, Sam? Yeah. Um, so I used to, for many years, for 30 years, so I'm quite old, uh, <laughs> 30 years I was an accountant and um, it all became much too exciting for me. So I had to leave <laughs> and become a comedian just to try and modulate my life a little bit. So I've been a comedian now for 18 months. And in the last kind, just before lockdown, I got into the semi-final of Jason Manford's Best New Act. So there were oh, eight. Oh, well done! I didn't know that. Yeah. Exciting. And then they cancelled the semi-final. Woo! So you know, we can assume I would have won. 
yeah, think. absolutely. Congratulations on your assumed win. Thank you very much. And thank you to Jason as well. <laughs> Are you going to let him know? My career. I think I might have to write to him to thank him, really. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of the trajectory of my life. And I've got six children. Um, three of them I gave birth to. Three of them I acquired in a sort of package deal with my newish husband, Mr. Day. And um, they were like a bonus prize, really. And the good news is they're much nicer than my children. So winner for Mr. Day. For your children. For my children, yeah. On the radio. Yeah. Having done nothing wrong. Right. Okay. So tell me how that works then, how you go from being a career accountant to suddenly being a stand-up comedian. Okay, well, I think the way it works is when I was young, I uh, was a single parent. So um, I brought the children up on my own and having tried stand-up comedy, I'm very glad I didn't try to do it on the income of a stand-up comedian because uh, I've just done my tax return and I made a loss of £4,000 in my first year as <laughs> a stand-up comedian. I uh, spent, you know, it's a good tax tip actually for anyone out there, you know, if you spend a lot more on getting to the gigs than you actually earn when you get there, you don't have to pay any tax at all. So that's very good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so when I was a single mum and I was a younger woman, obviously I needed to earn some decent money and look after these children and house them and feed them and so on. And actually the last one of my children left university about 18 months ago. Oh, and that was a trigger for me to say, okay, well, I could do something I actually like now at the age of 50. So um, that's what I did. And I'd always wanted to do stand-up comedy. Um, I've always been absolutely terrified of it. And I've always thought if I could do that, I could do anything. And I could now say with 100% confidence that that isn't true because I can <laughs> sort of <laughs> hold my own as a stand-up comedian now. Um, but there's definitely lots of other things I can't do. What else I'd be scared of doing? Yeah. Well, one thing I'd love to be able to do is sing and I just can't sing, you know, and it's one of those things. They say everyone can sing, and I'm not sure that's true, is it? Go on, uh, give us, give us a go, and we'll, we'll. No, I'm not giving that. you a go. I'm terrified <laughs> of it. I've just told you that. Um, and I think the other thing is that th anything that involves bending and balancing ballet, I don't think there's a, a world in which I would be able to do ballet now. To be honest I'd with like you, to, I'd like to. Yeah, no, I would. Anything that involves showing off. I'm up for it. But, you know, stand-up seems to be the one thing where you need no talent at all. You just need <laughs> a willingness to kind of put yourself out there and, and, and see what happens. So basically, you're a stand-up comedian because you can't sing. Yeah, okay. that's it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that's the only other thing you could think of to get that stage time. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, when I was a, uh, an accountant, I used to try and do, you know, I did all these like conferences and Webexes and any form of showing off I could kind of crowbar into the role of accountant and um, I think the firms that I worked for just got pretty fed up with it really I think they wanted me to do some proper adding up and advising clients and stuff like that and to be honest I wasn't very interested in that so yeah I think it's a good thing that we've had a divorce now and we're all both living happily with other partners do you, I don't think they'd approve of your minus £4,000 loss. <laughs> no, they probably wouldn't. Well, we will see, won't we? Because I've just submitted it, so we'll see. 
if they approve of that. But, um, you know, one day, Rodders, I might be, you know, making a £4,000 profit. <laughs> you can dream. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dreaming of that. I w I'm not particularly interested in being on the telly which is good because, you know, that is an outcome which is very easily avoided by most comedians. But I, what I would like to do is to be a proper career comedian. So, like, I'm making a decent-ish money at this, you know? If so I could, what are you aiming for? The dizzy heights of, like, 20k a year? Well, if I could um, be a closer, so in the world of comedy you have openers, uh, middle spots and closers and the closers are the proper comedians that are, are sort of <laughs> a guaranteed laugh for the audience so so promoters book them because they think well even if the rest of it is an absolute pile then at least the last one will be a success and people will go home only remembering that and thinking they had a wonderful time so if I could be a closer you know so a headliner on good comedy um, clubs four times a week I would think well that's testament to being a proper funny person with a proper act and at the moment I'm at best an opener yeah you I've got very a good though. you know we have you on our on our nights Sam and you are you are very you do get a laugh quite a few actually <laughs> so but you're not I love that far off <laughs> I'm very grateful to you for having me and I really really enjoy it you know it's quite nice for me actually to be not brilliant at it because you know when you've been in the same career for 30 years actually there's not that much that surprises you and you have people sort of coming to you saying oh my god this is a terrible crisis and you think well yeah it's, it's, it's not good news but it can be managed and nothing really gets your pulse rate up whereas um when you're trying something new and i'm sure it's not just comedy i'm sure it's everything you know that gets your pulse rate up actually there are moments when you think this is not going at all well and I'm really not at all sure what to do about it and um I like that feeling it makes me feel alive you know I'm 51 nearly 52 now and I don't want to stop feeling like life can be scary and life can be life can take you by surprise I think that's a bit early in the day to be um, giving up on that sort of feeling so I'm really glad that I'm not yet the finished article and I've got lots to learn brilliant and actually you know you've seen it Anne the lineups on these gigs there's not loads of 51 year old women there no. <laughs> young men in their 20s actually it's nice to feel part of that kind of I don't know we're all going through it together we're all learning we're all getting better we're all sort of relatively early in our, our comedy journey so it's nice to feel part of it. I think if I was very accomplished, I don't know why I'm talking myself into, you know, I don't want to be any good at this, but I do want to be good at it. But, you know, if I was already there, I wouldn't be, have the same sort of bond with them. It's hard enough to find a bond, actually, when you look and sound so different to them as I do. What do you mean you've struggled to fit in with 20-something uh, lads? <laughs> well... <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what I mean. You know, so I arrive at the venue, it's really, you know, they're talking about, I don't know, a video game they all play or some band I've never heard of or, you know, whatever they're talking about, you can, you can safely assume I will not be able to relate to it. But then when I've been on stage, 
something changes and they start talking to me about things that they know I can relate to because actually at the beginning quite often I don't think they particularly want to invite me into their conversation I think they're quite happy not having the middle-aged woman's perspective on whatever they're discussing but then after I've done my act quite often the dynamic will change and I think well that's quite that's quite nice really that we found something in common and they seem much more interested in in including me so that's a little tiny weenie triumph oh wow know. you made making friends <laughs> i know i'm making friends with young men it shouldn't be allowed <laughs> <laughs> i think our listeners might be interested in this conversation i don't think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you want a very young man all you've got to do is become a stand-up comedian it couldn't be simpler and hang out on a a Thursday, a Friday and a Saturday night in a basement somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, and earn a £30 for doing it. <laughs> so there's nothing, nothing difficult about it at all. <laughs> oh, brilliant. OK. And what does your husband think about? Has he been to see you on stage? Yes, my husband came to my... So Mr Day, as you know, does feature in my set. He does, yeah. And, Poor Mr. Day. And um, he did come, I think, to the first 25 gigs, something like that. I've now done over 100, and I have to say his attendance record is not so good anymore. We have got a, a dog now, um, which is the reason stroke excuse for his non-attendance. But, yeah, I, how does he feel about it? I think... First of all, I should never try material out on him because whenever I try material out on him at home, he always says something like kind of, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's funny. And I think, oh my God, you know, what, what, <laughs> what a terrible response. You, you never want an audience to go, yeah, no, I think that might be funny. You want them to actually laugh. So, um, and yet when he comes to the gig and I'm delivering it live on stage, he will laugh along with everyone else. And, and they do say, you know, if you are going to try stand-up comedy, for God's sake, don't try it on your friends and family because you just don't deliver it with the same energy as no, you do. No, no. Do to yeah. a sort of anonymous audience if you like and and it's just a different vibe completely but I think and well I'm I've assumed that he's quietly proud of me oh. he's never said that never <laughs> said it I don't know where I've got it from but that's my assumption is that he's quietly proud of me and uh, he's just trying to you know keep it keep a lid on it right so you could let him know in a letter along with Jason Manford then <laughs> That's true, I could write him a thank you letter, couldn't I, for his support? Quiet, quiet though it is. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you for quietly encouraging me uh, by not locking me in the house. <laughs> and how about your sons? Have they been to see you? Or your, or your children? Yeah. All of your six grown-up children? Yeah, actually, they haven't all four have seen me. And one of them, my son, who also gets a mention... Came, I actually got into the um, semi-final of the Old Comedian of the Year as well, which has been retitled the Not-So-New Comedian of the Year. Um, roll. <laughs> I, I seem to be a semi-finalist through and through. But he came to the semi-final of that as well. And what happened was, when I decided to become a stand-up comedian... I went on a course, yeah. typical accountant. I thought I must retrain. And so I went on this course and I told my son, who at the time was in his early 20s, I thought he was going to say, mother, you're so embarrassing. Please don't do anything 
even remotely like trying to become a stand-up comedian, you know you're not funny, you've never been funny. But he actually said, oh, I'm so jealous, I wish I could do that. And I said, well, you can, come with me. So we actually, to the first course, we went together. Oh, and he did stand up at the end of the course, because that's how they tend to end these courses, is what they call a showcase. And this one was in Leicester Square. Both of us were absolutely terrified, but it was quite a bonding experience for mother and son yeah, to do together. Lovely. And I think he, you know, he's been quite supportive because he's actually tried it. Mm. So he knows it's not a walk in the park. And he's only done one gig since that course. Um, what she told us was this showcase you're about to do at the end of this course will probably be your best gig for quite a long time. Reason <laughs> being, I'm quite a good MC. I've been doing it for 15 years and I'm good at what I do. Whereas most open mic nights, you won't get a really experienced MC. Um, and also you've invited all your family and friends. So they're all here for you. They're all going to clap and cheer and it's going to be wonderful. That isn't what it's really like. And of course, Jake, my son, went to his first gig and found out that that was absolutely true. And if you go to a, a sort of normal comedy night in London, and London's a funny old place, um, but it is a funny old place, different from everywhere else in the country. You mean comedy-wise or in general? Comedy-wise. Right. Oh, yeah, probably in general too. <laughs> but, you know, he found that that was true. And that's a tough doing it, is doing those early gigs, you know, your first 20, 30 gigs, where you're really not very good. The audience knows you're not very good. They respond as if you're not very good. And it's hard. <laughs> Yeah. you're not in any doubt are you yeah, you know it's not like you know if you were I don't know playing in a band or something you'd come off you think are they, are they into it or not I'm not sure they are really you know they seem to be talking quite a lot and I'm not sure they are whereas if you're in in comedy you know if they like you or not yeah that sound of silence is the worst isn't it <laughs> Well, it's funny because my first sort of 20 gigs were really good and I had a very warm reception from the audience. And everything was going well. And I got myself to the stage where I thought, you know what, this, this phenomenon you hear about comedians dying on stage, I don't think that's going to happen to me. I think, I think that only happens because people aren't very good. <laughs> but it won't happen to me because self-evidently I am good. And then on gig 21, which took place in Stoke Newington, I absolutely died. And it was for reasons within my control, which I could tell you exactly what I did wrong. I really died quite horribly, so much so that I panicked and all of my set words fell out of my head. And I had to sit down. I couldn't even remember the rest of my set. So I only probably did three minutes. And then I just had to say, you know, oh God, I don't. I don't remember them. What did you do? Did you run off stage or? I didn't run off stage, but I went and sat down and my husband was there, traumatised, <laughs> uh, much more traumatised than me, actually, because I bounced back from that thinking, well, that was that was supposed to happen at some stage. Thank God it's out of the way. And my, the next gig I had was the next night. and It was probably the best gig I've ever done. He was completely traumatised by it. And, and I think that's, he says now when he watches me, he's terrified that that's going to happen again. I just said to him, I want to leave. I really want to leave. And he said, no, Sam, you know, we're, we'll stay till the break, the halftime break. We're going to take a quick break now. So fill up your glasses, your mugs, your beakers and join us back shortly. Bad in the funny side and Doherty on Sophia Style Radio. Fine in the funny side. 
original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio.
morning and welcome to the show, Finding the Funny Side. I got there and, and the email I'd had said to do five minutes and I got there and the promoter said to me, yeah, can you do 10 minutes? And oh, I, no. Instead of saying, no, I've prepared to do five, I'll do five. I, I, in my head, I thought, well, I've got 10 minutes of material somewhere, you know, so I'll do 10. I said, yeah, no, that's fine. And I think I didn't want to come across as incapable. So yeah. I pretended that that was fine when it wasn't fine. Then he said, will you go on first? And I said, yeah, that's fine. It wasn't fine. And then the other mistake I made was people tend, you know, when someone fancies you, they laugh at everything you say. Yeah. And then if someone hates you, they won't laugh at anything you say. So it's not about content, it's about rapport. That's true en masse as well. So when you are oh, no. doing a stand-up gig, you need to relate to these people. You know, I was wearing, for reasons that I can still not explain, I was wearing the most expensive clothes I own, which was like a silk shirt from Whistles and a, some shoes from Russell and Bromley. And, you know, it was... It was a ridiculous outfit to wear to to an audience that probably some of whom wouldn't be able to afford those sort of clothes and would probably think, ah, oh, stuck up cow, don't like her before she's even opened her mouth. Yes, and that, yeah. that was part of the problem. There was no rapport. You know, they didn't look at me and think, oh, she's like us or even we can relate to her. I think they looked at me and thought, oh, she looks a bit like my boss. I hate my boss. So... Um, <laughs> Oh, there were so many things I got wrong, Anne. In one, I can't believe I managed to stuff them all into one five-minute gig. It was awful. And Michael made me stay. So he said, no, we'll, we'll stay. And actually, I'm really glad he did, because in the break, actually, a couple of the comedians came up to me and sort of said, you know, don't worry about that. That is just part of the journey. And um, one of the most important bits of advice I've ever had, I got that night, and that was really nice young man comedian said to me you know what this how often do you gig and I said about twice a week and he said yeah it's like going to the gym so if you do it once a week you'll get a little bit fitter a little bit better but probably not noticeably do it four times a week oh you start to notice the difference you're quite muscular four times a week wow and so I completely upped my gig rate and it made the the difference it's like anything else you know practice it and guess what you get a bit better at it yeah and also there's that thing if you're only doing five or ten minutes a gig you know they say ten thousand hours well even yeah. if you're doing even if you're doing four gigs a week that could be anywhere between 20 and 40 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a long way to ten thousand hours isn't it <laughs> at that yeah. rate yeah I mean it's exponential because obviously now I do sort of 15 minutes 20 minutes and so I'm every time I do one I'm getting double the return so you've still got about 30 years to go <laughs> to yeah that's all thank god I'm only 50 yeah you can make plenty it of time just about fit it in but yeah it's funny because I left my accountancy career you know not really at a time of my choosing without going into the details and um thank god I did I was probably intending to do four more years. Well, four years is a long time. Yes, it is. Uh, you can, you can make, make quite a difference to your life in four years. And I feel and look different now. I looked quite, I mean, now I look gorgeous, but I look <laughs> quite, quite old and tired when I left my last career. And the, the way we spend our days, it shows itself. It does, in doesn't lots it? Of ways. Yes. And look at me now, Anne. You're beautiful. I mean, we're on I'm beautiful now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's inspiring. 
I've come to comedy later in life as well. So I think it's always nice to meet someone, obviously not as late as you. <laughs> Sorry. Just say it, you know, if you think it, just say it. Don't worry about hurting my feelings, Anne. <laughs> but oh, not you did. far off though, to be fair. I'm all smug, uh, not that far off. <laughs> Still early 40s. But yeah, I think, um, you know, when you talk about dying on stage, you know, I'm with you there. I did 10 minutes, I get 10 minutes of silence. And I remember looking at the audience and saying to them, this isn't going well, is it? And they laughed. And I was like, oh, wow. And now you laugh. <laughs> well, that's rapport. You're sharing something there, aren't you? You're all in the same place at the same time. This is awful for all of us. You're so anxious you can barely breathe because of what I'm doing to you. <laughs> and anyway, I, I, the same as you. I, you know, I, I had to stay to the end because it was my gig and I'd organised it. <laughs> so I couldn't run away. Um, but actually, I went to talk to the audience afterwards and I just said to them, thanks guys for laughing that one time. And we had, I got more laughs after the show than while I was on stage. And, I, you know, I, I prefer them just to say, get off, actually. <laughs> because then at least you can respond or they can take you on that yeah you can build that rapport i've had nights that are better than others and what i've really noticed or what i had really noticed was that when the audience responded warmly to me quite often i'd be the best act on the bill and when they didn't quite often i'd be the worst so I was very, very affected by the way, the reaction I was getting. I didn't like that. You know, I kind of thought I ought to be able to kind of be a bit more self-reliant than that. So that it's not about, it's not all on the audience to make this a success. You know, that's sort of my job. And so, you know, I'll take responsibility for that. If I'm going to be paid £30, goodness me, the least I can do. It's about preparation. And this is a bit of a life lesson for me, as well as, you know, about performing you need to go into that room you know most of us prepare content so if we've got a pitch at work or we've got an important meeting we'll prepare what we are going to say uh, we might even have a slide deck if we're in the office <laughs> but actually what we don't prepare is how we're going to be and we all know that most of communication comes from how we say it how we act what our body's doing what our face is doing so it's a bit daft, really, to just focus on content. And he said, you know, before you go into these gigs, you need to decide, make a decision. I'm going to really enjoy this. Whatever it is, I'm going to really enjoy it. If it's a car crash, it's going to be the most fun car crash I've ever had. And that made a huge difference to me. And actually, it's been particularly useful during lockdown because I've done a little bit of, well, quite a lot, actually, of online comedy. And of course, online comedy, you get very little feedback. So you have to be self-reliant because you can't hear the audience some of the time. Um, but it's made me a better live comedian to do the online stuff because you have to be really self-reliant and assume it's going well. Entertain yourself, really, because <laughs> you're the only audience that you can hear. You know, it's one of those, re OK, we're talking a lot about comedy tonight, but I think this is a, a real lesson for all parts of life isn't it and I get my children doing this so when they are learning their times tables I get them to chant before they start you know I remember the numbers easily it comes naturally to me and they find they do start to find it easier it's incredible how it works I think on our I don't know about you but I think especially women but I think human beings like to get in our own way a bit and, and and tell ourselves we can't do something or it's difficult or it's hard or it's going to be scary 
and I think we have this negative voice that that is constantly going and if you can even interrupt that voice and maybe silence it rather than or change it to positive I think then who knows what we're capable of yeah I mean I think none of us are as kind to ourselves as we are to other people you know some of the things you say to yourself you ought to be able to do this you would yeah. never say to, to someone else you know if they can't no. do it you sort of think well let's 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 see if we can help access their cognition and the way they do that is to quieten down that sort of limbic monkey brain that's shouting you can't do this so loudly that of course they can't bloody do it. They can't probably remember their address at that stage because the, the interference is so strong. There's a natural ability and there's a learned ability and the learned ability is available to all of us. But I think definitely on the comedy stage when I've been able to calm the brain and, and going back to what you were saying, that's definitely helped me. Anyway, Sam, thank you very much. What a lovely You're very welcome. Yeah. It's been an absolute joy talking to you, Anne. I feel that we've only scratched the surface. To be honest, we didn't even get into my murdering and swinging parties, did we? <laughs> we didn't. But you know, another time. Another time. Well, we'll there's do murder. Doing murder next, and then swinging. Yes. Uh, episode after. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely yeah the third track on the album, isn't it? The swinging. On that note, talking of swinging, thank you very much. Edit, <laughs> and, edit. And we'll speak to you again soon, very soon. All right. Cheers, okay. Anne. Lovely to speak to you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Long 
so clear that you're a narcissist and I will always be in pain. But I'll take you back and you say the words that I long to hear and you'll lie to me. This is crystal clear that you're a narcissist and I will always be in pain. But I'll take you back again. What you'll always be N-A-R-C-I-S-S-I-S-T That's what you'll always be And then you say the words that I long to hear And you'll lie to me Your face is crystal clear Cause you're a narcissist And I will always be in bed But I'll take you back And you say the words that I long to hear And you'll lie to me Face is crystal clear Cause you're a narcissist And I will always be in pain But I'll take you back again Thanks for listening to our first ever show, Finding the Funny Side. I hope we've managed to make you giggle at least once or twice. Next week, we are going to be joined by Ellie Orton, who is the Chief Executive of the NHS Charities Together. Ellie is the lady who heads up the charities and has been working with Captain Tom and Joe Wicks and a whole range of celebrities, all from her kitchen table over lockdown. So we are going to be having a chat about what it was like to take on a charity that went from a couple of hundred thousand pounds of annual revenue up to the hundreds of millions that have been raised over the last six months or so. And how she's been juggling family and homeschooling and, and, and the challenges that's you know she's had as a woman tune in next week um she's definitely worth listening to um definitely an inspiring story and have a good week in the funniest side and doherty on sophia style radio fine in the funniest side on sophia style radio the radio the radio